morning. This is Back Chat for Friday, March the 31st. I'm Andrew Work. And I'm Janice Wong. On Friday's Back Chat, we're talking imported labor. Maybe it's you. We're looking at government plans to allow companies to import more staff to tackle labor shortages. Speaking in the Legislative Council on Wednesday, the Hong Kong government at Labor Secretary proposed new rules governing the importation of builders and transport workers. Secretary for Labor and Welfare Chris Sun says there are serious labor shortages in the construction and transportation industries. Catering sector lawmaker Tommy Chung says Hong Kong has an acute need to import workers, especially in the hospitality sector. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk and relive the excitement of Backchat on iTunes, Spotify, and on our online archives. We are bringing you the top experts in to discuss this uh, issue today. We'd first like to welcome Terence Mong, the president of the Hong Kong Institute of Construction Managers. Good morning, Terence. Good morning. Good morning. He is live in the studio online. Uh, I believe we have Roy Ying, co-chair of the Hong Kong Institute of Human Resource Management's Advocacy and Policy Research Committee. Good morning, Roy. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Janice. Morning. Great to have you on the show. Uh, so, Terrence, uh, you've made the trek out to the studio. We'll start with you. Uh, does Hong Kong need more imported workers flat out? That's, that's the first question. Do we need these people? Well, in fact, uh, there are a uh, announcement from the uh, Construction Industry Council. Uh, there are a number of factors. I just try to uh, list out some of them. Uh, say, for example, the skilled workers. So uh, in 2023, we need uh, 10,000 of uh, skilled workers, but uh, uh, in 2027, we will need 40,000. There was there would there would lack of like uh, 30,000 mm. in spe- in this specific area, and in the other area, say the technicians and the site supervisory supervisory personnel, uh, we need uh, 5,000 more in 2027. So um, the figure it tells tells the truth that. Uh, we are we are suffering from shortage. And, and what are those? I always like to get into what the numbers actually mean. So when you say we need this many people, does that mean that you're putting ads in newspapers or in, in online uh, job hiring platforms, and nobody gets hired? So the, you're like, sorry guys, everybody who doesn't have that job, go home because we can't continue the project. I mean, what does it mean when you say we need this many workers or we we're missing them? Well, uh, let's look at the uh, for, uh, labor. Uh, I mean, the co- uh, total construction cost forecast. Mm. Um, in in two thousand seven, the construction expenditure is just around uh, one hundred fifty billion uh, per annum, which means uh, there will be a double in the past uh, fifteen years. And uh, the overall ten years construction expenditure, including both public and private sectors in Hong Kong, from two thousand two one to uh, two thousand three zero, would reach a level over. Three hundred billion per annum. So, um, not to mention the aging problem and uh, immigration wave, uh, we we would say we would see uh, the huge uh, uh, increase in the construction total construction cost. We'll need a lot of uh, additional uh, vacancies to fill up the uh, the position. Mm, so it's not the projects aren't getting done; it's just they're more expensive than people expected. Is that is that fair, or am I? Yes, uh, that 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 is that is quite correct. Um, I think uh, um, you would you expect you would expect if uh, there are labor shortage, um, the construction cost will will be inevitably be rise, and then uh, the the society is going to bear the the ultimate cost. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Roy Ying over at the Hong Kong Institute of uh, Human Resource Management. Uh, have you done research? Uh, I, I mean, Terence is speaking specifically to the construction industry, yes, right? Yes. Are, are you looking at other sectors where we are in desperate need of more people? Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, I certainly agree with Terence. Um, the construction industry is critical. I mean, um, one thing that I would like to point out is that um, construction industry I'm sure Terence would agree, um, comprise of all kinds of different uh, job types. Sometimes if you're missing one type of workers, the others can't really continue their processes and therefore it prolongs the duration of the projects. Now, um, and that just, uh, yeah, as you rightly pointed out, the projects are not getting done. The other uh, industry that uh, we think is um, quite critical is um, through, because we're, the institution uh, has been responding to the government's call for review of the talent list. Yeah, we found quite a number of industries, and uh, you would expect uh, the IT, the ESG, the compliance, the venture capitals. But among those, there are two industries that we find quite um, acute. Um, number one is aviation. The other is hospitality. Um, may I, I mean, instead of giving you numbers, can I give you two stories that I... Uh, encountered over the uh, consultation stage with employers. Give us one story and we'll take it from there. <laughs> okay. Now, um, in the aviation industry, um, uh, one of the ground handling agents was telling me that um, before the pandemic, he um, had about 2,100 2, staff. Uh, because of the um, travel bans, restrictions, now he has 800. Now, in the next three to four months, he has to hire up to... 1,200 staff. I mean, that is... 1,200 people. Months. He has to hire 400 headcounts. I struggle to hire one person at a time. I can't imagine hiring 1,200. Okay. That, that, is, that is a mission near impossible. Yeah. Uh, and he's telling me that he's not alone. Uh, all the uh, operators in the airport, they are facing more or less the same thing. Wow. Okay. So, so construction, we're hearing we need people. Aviation, which, and, and you know, I mean, so what sparked this was the idea that the government is uh, planning to announce some kind of a policy that it seems like they're coming up with. But I didn't, I don't think that aviation was part of their, their plans. They were talking construction, right? Janice? Construction yes, and transportation. Yeah, construction and transportation. Uh, um, I, I just want to go back um, to uh, Mr. Mang, because um, earlier you're talking about uh, that uh, construction industry, they may need uh, 40,000 people by 2027. But then right now, um, what the government is actually saying is that they're possibly importing uh, construction staff and uh, they will mirror the existing arrangement for staff in the care sector, which means it's around up to 7,000 people. Yes. So, so that's a that's a that's a big difference. No, uh, I I I have I have no enough data to talking about the date. Uh, I mean the numbers, but uh, what 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 I'm concerning about is uh, without enough new supply together with the aging problem, I would expect the music chair game will still continue in the entry positions such as the junior engineer, project coordinator, and frontline supervisors. On the job training system was proven throughout the year a cornerstone of the well-established manpower structure of our industry. It is worth varying that the training period would be forced to shorten 
due to member shortage and so on and so forth, the other problem will come up. Right. And looking ahead, uh, we have many uh, big construction projects, for example, uh, Lantau Tomorrow Vision and uh, Northern Metropolis. Um, and, and they require a lot of uh, on-site, uh, on-site work. Um, how, how much manpower is actually needed for, for projects of uh, that scale? Again, uh, I can't predict uh, the numbers of workers that is needed, but uh, you, would, you would see uh, the local force dropped by about uh, 140,000 uh, between the second quarter of 2020 and the second quarter of 2022 with the majority around uh, seven, uh, 78,000 of them being young, adult, aged between 25 to uh, 30, 36. Those are the sources of new blood to fill up the ever-increasing job vacancy in the industry. So um, it, would, it would reflect in the, the other way that uh, we, we, we don't have new blood. We don't have new blood for, 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 that, for the vast amount of uh, construction value. Yeah, and I mean, this is quite unusual. I know this, uh, you know, kind of post-COVID, a lot of people are talking about uh, workers withdrawing from the, work, from the workforce. But in other countries, it's because they got a lot of benefits, and it seems like they're not really doing much of anything. A lot of them are sitting at home, but that's not the issue in Hong Kong, is it? We actually, we actually lost people, and we don't actually have these people uh, in the workforce anymore. Uh, is, is the problem more general unskilled labor, or is it, you know, skilled labor in particular, that we're hitting choke points in projects because we lack three or four key people that, that need to do something for the whole project to move forward? Well, uh, the, cur- the current practices in the industry is just trying to uh, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze the work, uh, I mean, uh, to, to, to complete the work in the limited resources, mm. uh, maybe paying higher and maybe uh, trying trying to bring up bring up the work uh, uh, to, to make it uh, a longer longer working period in fact um, there are already some uh, um, schemes to train up uh, newcomers uh, there are already collaborative schemes with union or employer to recruit newcomers they will be trained up to semi-skilled and semi-skilled labor with incentive cash subsidy already however we can see the numbers of recruitment is decreasing just like the dropping labor forces. Mm-hmm. Roy, I know at your institute, you're big on upskilling. Do you want to get way in on that? Yeah. Um, well, before I go um, into this, I do think that one of the uh, principles that we need to be careful of is that, yes, we are in a labor shortage situation. Uh, yes, we do need to import labor. It seems like the, the way to go. But there is uh, one thing that we like to uh, point out is that uh, there must be some kind of sunset provision. Uh, it may not be relevant now because every industry is uh, in need of uh, manpower. Um, this is a scheme to fill the manpower gap. And if there's no gap, then there's no need to import labor. And, um, and that's why I, I, do, I do agree with uh, Terence that the government should be working closely with the industries to find ways to attract more people to enter the industries or re-enter the industries. But why do I say re-enter? Because if you look at the figures uh, from the World Bank, um, the uh, workforce participation rate in relation to our population is only 59%. That means 41% of our population over the age of 15 is not joining the workforce. Uh, Some people may not choose to work because they probably have financial independence, um, others may simply find it not worthwhile or not meaningful to go back to the workforce. 
and um, and that that is um, something that we advocate. We should uh, spend more resources in um, making sure that we are growing our home talent. That actually um, su- that actually surprises me, Roy, to hear that Hong Kong has a lower workforce participation rate than other places. I mean, yeah, I, I always um, think of Hong Kong is a very hard Japan. city. Japan has sixty-two. Um, we have fifty-nine. Well, that's uh, that's something else. And is it because older people have left the workforce, or is it across the entire uh, age spectrum? Well, let, let me give you an, an example with the hotel sector. Um, I mean, this is another sector we, we saw huge concern over the lack of manpower um, across all job types, front desk, engineering, housekeeping, catering, et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's just use housekeeping. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a serious situation. And many of the hotels that I've talked to, they are just unable to recruit full-time um, room cleaning assistants, and they have no no choice but to accept casual labor. Um, how does it work? The going rate now is about 100 to $120 for somebody to clean a room, and each person can clean on average 14 to 15 rooms a day. So it's actually pretty good pay. I mean, that works out to be, you know, um, if they work... 20 days, that's close to $25,000, $30,000 a month. But this rate is expected to go up because there's just not enough people. Mm. Um, just not enough people. I mean, even some of the hotel managers I talked to, they, they said if even if the rate goes up to 150 200 per room, there still be a challenge to get young people to enter the industry. Mm. It's just labor-intensive. It's not appealing. And uh, the end result... Well, hotel guests will have to pay more because it's more expensive for the hotels. And because their casual labor service standard is quite difficult to be maintained. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's important to point this out that if job type is like this, uh, we either get more people to uh, become interested in joining the workforce locally, or maybe, just maybe, there's a need for import labor. Mm. Uh, you know, hotels have rooms, but they also have restaurants. And we're now joined on the line by Howie Wong, who's the vice chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Good morning, Howie. Hi, good morning. Howie, I think I think probably one sector where people feel the uh, the issue of shortage of labor is in the restaurants. I know a lot of people, their, their regular restaurants they go to, all the staff are new, don't know what they're doing, services declined. Uh, I hear those complaints not only in Hong Kong, but really everywhere, Singapore, right. Japan, Korea, you know, North America. But Howie, where are we feeling the pinch in Hong Kong? I mean, how bad is it really? Do we need to bring people in from outside Hong Kong? Oh, I, I think we definitely need to bring uh, people in. I mean, there's a shortage of, uh, you know, uh, you know, vast amount of number of people, maybe over 20,000 people for the industry. Um, you know, lately with the Labor Department, they're uh, considering um, to have, uh, you know, uh, workers from, you know, other regions come to Hong Kong. And I think that would really, uh, you know, help. Um, you know, at least in terms of giving better service, uh, you know, obviously there needs to be a little bit of time to, you know, train up people also to the standards that uh, restaurants really want. Uh, but, you know, right now, um, just the main concern is, you know, that it's really short staff and we're not able to provide the amount of service that we really want to the customers and visitors to Hong Kong. All right. So, so what kind of staff are you talking about? Are you talking about waiting staff or, or chefs or, or managers? Um, it, 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 it's all around, um, from uh, waiters to um, managers to people washing dishes uh, in the kitchen as well. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it, 
it's the whole industry. I mean, other than just uh, you know our FMB wise, we uh, also in bars as well. A lot of people are changing industries, right? So it leads to um, you know a large shortage of people. And you know I, I've spoken with a lot of uh, restaurants friends as well. Um, no matter if they're doing Chinese restaurants or Western restaurants, uh, you know we see that people have. Uh, you know, maybe chosen other industries to work because maybe it's just not as um, as uh, as harsh a working uh, environment. And usually in the F&B, uh, you know, the times are usually longer. And, you know, now people are, uh, you know, maybe looking more for a balance in their life. Mm. Right. You just mentioned that some, some staff uh, have switched to other industries. I mean, can, can do we really need to import staff or can we just increase the pay? Will, will they return to the uh, catering industry? Um, no, I don't think increasing the pay will will work because uh, well, number one, increasing the pay to the staff will also uh, insurance of the cost uh, transferred you know to the customers on the menu as well, and you know it, it may not mean that um, you know uh, customers you know with a higher higher price in the menu, uh, they may also lose some business. So you know this is not you know a long long term way to uh, um, to you know sustain the industry. Uh, you know, we've seen for banqueting even. Um, a lot of the times, uh, banqueting staff is uh, part-time staff. And, you know, they're doing hourly rates of, uh, you know, 100 to $150 per hour. And you still don't get the service that you used to get, you know, maybe five years ago. Yeah, Lam Chun Sing, the lawmaker from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon Labor Unions, is also joining us on the line. Good morning, Lam Chun Sing. Good morning. Good morning. Um, a lot of this talk, you know, they say, listen, we have to bring in workers from outside of Hong Kong uh, because otherwise costs are going to go up for customers. I mean, you're representing the labor unions. I'm going to guess you have a different take on it. Mm, yeah. um, of course, we understand that for some of the industry is difficult for the employer to recruit labor. We understand that. And I think the whole picture is that the labor participation rate is low in Hong Kong. For example, the female is just 53%, and which is much lower than other countries like Australia and Singapore. And the, the male is uh, only 65%, and the total labor participation rate is still low, around uh, 58%. And many labor, uh, especially the female labor, not join the workforce. There are uh, many reasons, like they, uh, they need to take care of their children, cannot go to work, and not enough children care service. But uh, that's the problem. And I think another situation is related to the pandemic situation. And after the pandemic situation, some of the industry resume, like the travel industry, uh, aviation industry, uh, they find that they are difficult to recruit employees because in the past three years, uh, they do not have any operation and many employees lose their confidence to stay in the industry. They have already moved to other industry and become stable. So there is a question that whether they will be back to the uh, those industries, for example, travel industry, aviation industry, or even the hotel. After the large-scale labor movement in other industries, there is still a long time back to the normal. I think just like the aviation industry, they expect in the next year, the capacity will be the same as the level before the pandemic situation. So mm. uh, they still do, do, do not have 
confidence to back to the industry where we are the unstable income. Maybe the industry back to normal for 80% and more people will be back to the industry. So we need some time. I think that's the uh, actual situation. Uh, you know, you say there's a question, will these people come back to the industry? But I think some people have decided the answer is no, they won't. Mm. And therefore, we need people from outside Hong Kong. Um, Howie Wong, I know we've only got you until the half hour, so I'm going to let you get your digs in. Uh, you know, if we're going to bring if, if, you, if you think the answer is yes, we have to allow more people to come here. Where are they going to come from? Do we need people from mainland China or from Guangdong who speak Cantonese to work in local restaurants? Do we need people from the Philippines, Nepal, other places who speak English to work in tourism focused right, restaurants? Uh, who do we need? You know, people from uh, everywhere around the world. Uh, obviously, um, the majority of our uh, tourism right now is coming from mainland China. So it does, uh, you know, it's beneficial to have people that uh, also, you know, come from China, mainland China, to help the industry because, uh, you know, they can really, uh, you know, ease the communication with uh, customers, right? But in the long term, um, you know, definitely people from, you know, Southeast Asia or, you know, other parts of the world who are willing to come to come to Hong Kong and be a part of the F&B community in Hong Kong. Yeah, Roy, uh, Roy Ying, uh, what do you think? Is, are, you, are you broadly aligned with that? Where should we be getting yeah. people from if we are going to be bringing more people to Hong Kong? Well, I think the, um, the answer is two-sided. Um, there are some of the employees that I know, they are willing to provide staff quarters. And for those employers, the, the, the people can come from just about anywhere. However, uh, I do agree with Howie that the majority of the workforce should come from the mainland. And, uh, and we have to be mindful about the social economic impact of these um, non-local workers coming to Hong Kong. I mean, we're not talking about a few hundred, potentially tens of thousands of people coming to Hong Kong. Uh, where are they going to stay? That is a big question. And that's why um, the institution has looked at uh, places around the world. We take reference to Singapore take reference to Macau, and, uh, and it seems like the system works. I mean, there are many people traveling from Johor to Singapore, daily commute. Many people coming from Zhuhai to work in Macau, daily commute. Can something like this happen for Hong Kong? Um, if that's uh, a possibility, obviously it needs uh, government industries and the private sectors, um, and maybe the transportation um, sectors to, to help out, uh, whereby uh, we can allow these people to come in and then go uh, in the morning, go back home at night, and uh, that will probably be a potential, uh, potential solution. But I do agree with um, uh, Lam Chun Singh that there is still a... Um, uh, a, a lot of people in Hong Kong who is just not joining the workforce. The government and the industries need to work together to find ways to attract them to re-enter the workforce. Um, but these are not mutually exclusive solutions. They can go in parallel. Terence Mong, uh, your, your hand is up in the studio. You've got about 50 seconds to take us to the half hour. What, what, uh, what do you... you well, I think you, yeah. in, in, uh, I have the chance to have spoken with the leaders of the trade association. They are, they, are, they are willing to talk 
and they are willing to run for a labor camp in a large scale project in the remote area. So um, I think in in our sector that will be more flexible. And uh, if there is a labor camp, they will they will um, impose no burden to the uh, residential unit that is already in short. So so like dormitories then. Yes, like a dormitory type situation, which we see in other places. Uh, just to give people some reference. Uh, Liberal Party chairman was quoted in the press saying Singapore has 600,000 to 700,000 non-local laborers in a population of 5.2 million. Macau, 150,000 of their 400,000 workforce, which is a very high percentage, but only 5,200 in Hong Kong. We're going to be back on the show after the news at the half hour uh, with most of our guests, but we will say goodbye to Howie Wong, the vice chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, who made a quick hit with the show this morning. Uh, look at your weather uh, in Hong Kong for the Rugby Sevens. Big weekend coming up and a lot of imported uh, players coming in this weekend. Cloudy with a few showers and rather low visibility. Hopefully I'll be able to see the players on the field. Uh, maximum temperature will be around 22 degrees in Hong Kong. And right now you are looking at weather which is uh, 20 degrees Celsius and we have 95% humidity in Hong Kong. <laughs> The time is 9.30 and now the news with Tom Warden. Donald Trump has become the first U.S. president in history to be charged with a crime. He'll be indicted in New York over alleged hush money given to a porn star just before the 2016 presidential election. Mr. Trump, who's running again for president, has repeated he's innocent. Washington says it's deeply concerned by the arrest of an American journalist on spying charges in Russia. The White House said U.S. diplomats were seeking consular access to Evan Gershkovich. Mr. Gershkovich, who works for the Wall Street Journal, was detained by Russia's domestic security service and accused of gathering classified information on the defense industry. And Britain has struck a deal to join a trade pact consisting of 11 countries, including Australia, Canada, Japan and Singapore. The pact, the Comprehensive Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, aims to cut or reduce 95% of import charges or tariffs. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. ...is perfect for a solo. With two, you can play doubles. The more, the merrier. How about a quartet? You could even form a basketball team. How many children should you have? The choice is yours. Be sure to plan ahead and plan it well. Call the Family Planning Association of Hong Kong on 2572-2222. I'm Wise Mike, the smoke-free ambassador. I have a vision that one day no one smokes anymore. Gone are the days of people smoking near rubbish bins and pedestrians in the streets exposed to secondhand smoke containing cancer-causing substances. We can make that vision happen. Call 1833183 to quit smoking now. Let's move towards a tobacco-free Hong Kong. And we're back on Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work. I'm here with Janice Wong and a collection of uh, really spectacular guests that we got today. We've also got some people emailing us. John in Sai Kung says, Hong Kong contractors are simply appalling. As employers, there are frequent strikes with unpaid workers screaming on the streets because they haven't been paid. Who wants to work for crooked contractors with dodgy safety records? Construction work is a very dangerous job in Hong Kong. I have to admit, 
I have not seen any construction workers screaming in the streets. John, um, I mean, Terrence, I guess you're, you're the man. Uh, I'll let you respond to that. Is there a little, is there a little, I mean, I, my sense is there's a little bit of overhyped hyperbole in that. I haven't seen people screaming in the streets. Or I remember a crane worker strike about seven years ago, 2014, I think. That's the last one I remember. And some- oh, let's uh, not talk about the strike, uh, but in recent times, there have been a series of incidents related to safety and quality issues in construction sites. True. Although no definite evidence connects these incidents due to labor shortage, but we would expect a more healthy supply would help to improve people's quality. Mm. HKCM, uh, as I'm representing uh, construction managers, remain deeply concerned about construction safety and the quality of the construction work. And we advocate on the on the job training to our members in these two very important areas. So um, as I said, as I said earlier, without the new blood, uh, we can't, we can't, uh, continue our uh, ever a success uh, cornerstone in uh, manpower training and uh, on the on the job training system so um, back to the back to the question is uh, I don't think uh, it is a widespread problem of unpaid workers but uh, it is quite uh, this is just a very uh, limited limited cases yeah I have to admit we have seen it does seem like We've seen more reports of safety problems yes. in in recent times. When you import workers from other jurisdictions, I mean, are these people going to be trained in a jurisdiction that has the same safety standards in Hong Kong, or are we going to have to train them? Well, um, uh, the whole the whole industry is frustrated uh, with the, um, I mean, uh, poor safety uh, performance recently. So um, the industry is going to. Um, Get a reform, reform in the safety training. Say, for example, where we we are going to uh, increase the training of uh, newcomers from one day to two days, and uh, they will be trained with the dynamic safety uh, training system. And we are going to adopt a smart safe safety system as well in all all of the construction projects that is over thirty million. So um, we would expect a um, dramatic changes in this and. Uh, I so I'm I think uh, so as the uh, existing workers, the newcomers will be trained well as well. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I just want to go back to uh, Mr. Lam, Mr. Lam, Mr. Lam, Lam yeah, Jinsen. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Um, yeah. Just before the news, um, Mr. Yang, he was talking about uh, the possible social economic impact uh, the importation of uh, labor may have on Hong Kong. Um, what are your views on that? I mean, what sort of impact will it have on? Uh, Hong Kong's uh, labor force? Um, I think, uh, in fact, that now there are import labor every day in Hong Kong. They came to Hong Kong in workplace and, and because there are many schemes, for example, the labor supplementary scheme in the labor department and also other schemes are in the immigration department, the general employment policy, admission scheme for mainland professionals, so many schemes. And, and before the pandemic situation, in fact, there's more than uh, 50,000 uh, foreign workers came to Hong Kong. So we believe that if some of the employer uh, they are difficult to recruit local labor. They can import labor under the existing mechanism, uh, just like uh, 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 we talked before, the construction industry. 
the Hong Kong, Zhuhai, Macau Beach, and the third runway construction in the airport. And the Labor Department also allowed the foreign labor came to Hong Kong because it's difficult to recruit local labor in the remote area, long transportation costs and travel time. And, and so the existing mechanism can allow the employer to import the labor. But, but the main issue is that if the government now um, set up another mechanism to import labor. Uh, what is the detail? Is there any quota and and whether the company need to recruit a proportion of local labor when they recruit foreign labor and whether if there is enough labor in specific industry, the import scheme will suspend and we do not know the detail. Mm. And that's like that uh, we're concerned. And another thing is that we, we, we don't want to see the situation just like the top talent pass scheme. Although it is focused on, on talent, but it is in, in, uh, not focused on the frontline labor. But there's more than 10,000 talent came to Hong Kong according to the scheme. But the government do not know whether they get a job or engage in which industry. So many talent came to Hong Kong, but, but the employer also said that they cannot in, uh, employ enough talent. These talent may not get a job in Hong Kong and do other things. So they came to Hong Kong, but they cannot solve the problem of shortage of talent and professional in Hong Kong. That's the problem. So we do not want to see that situation in the frontline labor. So the importation of labor should be have a clear target and also under existing mechanism, I, I think is acceptable. Hmm. Roy Ying, I, I, know you've, I know the Institute has some, uh, some thoughts on that issue. Yes, uh, I, it, I partially agree with um, uh, Mr. Lam um, because, uh, especially on the point on um, targeted industries, uh, when when I said a sunset provision, uh, what I mean is that when the um, when the people of Hong Kong, there is enough people in Hong Kong to fill the vacancies. There shouldn't be a need for importation of labor in that sector, in that occupation. And how do we make sure that there is a reference index that we can all agree to? That is what we need to look at. That is the details that we want to see. Mm. If there is a very clear guidelines as to, okay, now um, the employers say that hey, we have no problem in getting people from Hong Kong, then the system, the, the scheme will no longer be needed. Uh, now, obviously, uh, uh, in the in the in the meantime, a quota system should work. Uh, taking reference to Macau, um, the quota system changes every now and then. Um, at one point, I believe some of the sectors in um, Macau, um, the ratio is as high as one Macau local residents to one non-local, mm-hmm. and now the 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 quota is. Uh, it's different in every every sector, but it changes. If the situation is not is not so tight, maybe ten local versus one non-local. I mean, that could be a uh, a um, a system where we could consider. But like Mr. Lam said, we, we need to uh, see more details before we can have more informed discussions. 
Yeah, I, I think just for our listeners, I know the Backchat listeners are very sophisticated consumers of uh, policy news, but just so they understand, um, when you say a sunset clause, that means a piece of legislation that has a time limit on it. And then legislators yeah. have to decide at the end of that time limit if they want to renew it or if they want to continue it. So I guess in this situation, it would be like saying we're going to import 5,000 workers for a specific industry until 2027, for example. Uh, and then in 2027, wow. legislators would have to say, do we keep these people or do we, you know, cut off this program and cancel all their, vi cancel all their visas? Pretty much. Is that what you're saying? Um, partly, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, sunset clause can be a time limit. It could also be a combination of time limit, time uh, limit together with conditions, mm. uh, some, some kind of index. If the time limit says, ah, okay, 2027, we, we review it, and if the uh, situation is still not very good, then we extend it. You know, there, there is uh, many ways we could get around this to make sure that, I mean, what, what, this, what I really want to stress is that this shouldn't be a long-term solution. Um, if we can't have enough people in Hong Kong, we don't need import labor. It's just that we don't have enough people, and therefore, maybe, just maybe, we need to import labor in certain sectors. Why don't we just call it immigration? <laughs> I mean, instead of importing labor, why don't you say, hey, people come well, to Hong Kong? Uh, the guys in immigration, they uh, have... That's note under. Uh, you can see that they are—they're working really hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, build build a bigger, better Hong Kong. You know, take people from around the world and make them in, make them into Hong Kongers. Are, are we in a are we in a competitive situation? I mean, are we competing with other jurisdictions for this labor? Um, well, Andrew, you're uh, you're Canadian. You I know am. how many uh, jobs. Canada is missing now. Yes. Uh, they, they, I think, believe yesterday the news says they are looking at a million jobs. Yeah. Oh, good, my God, that is, I mean, they are, we are competing. We are com competing for talent. Mm -hmm. And uh, and not just um, the top end, but also frontline, middle supervisors. We, we are, com so we have to, I do agree with what the chief executive says. We have to tell the Hong Kong story so that uh, people will uh, around the world will still see, will put Hong Kong back on the map mm -hmm. as the places where they want to make their career in. Yeah, uh, Terence Mong, are we are we competing with, for example, Guangdong for construction workers? I mean, do we have to say, hey, there's a reason you should come to Hong Kong and not stay where you are, not work in Zhongshan, Dongguan, you know? Yes, uh, too high. Yes, you 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 you're correct. Uh, we we are competing, not even around the world, but uh, in Guangdong provinces. Uh, in fact, in Hong Kong, on the salary side, uh, there is already an open statistic of salary data by census and census and statistics department to be issued every month to list out the salary of major trade. Employer wishing to um, uh, um, uh, to import labor shall offer at least equal or above the average salary as announced. But uh, when I when I have a chance to talk to uh, the university graduate in Guangdong provinces, we just we just try to show them our salary mm. of the of that uh, level, such as uh, graduate engineer. They think the salary is good, but uh, they are claiming that the the living standard of Hong Kong is comparatively uh, 
lower than uh, uh, in their in their own own, own uh, provinces. Yeah. So Hong Kong's um, very expensive. Hong Kong, yeah. Uh, we are expensive, <laughs> and uh, talking about uh, um, the living area per each people, mm-hmm. we uh, we are uh, much lesser than them. So um, yes, we are competing with uh, other area. Mm-hmm. Lam Chun uh, Singh, I know you've got to go at nine forty-five, so I'm going to give you a chance to get a, a quick hit in. Uh, do you want people to come to Hong Kong? Because if they come to Hong Kong and become Hong Kongers, then they can join your Federation of Labor Unions. <laughs> but I, I think, and and if the government want to import foreign labor in large scale in the future, but they need to check. Uh, 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 check the, a small number of employers. I think just a small number, and and because they recruit foreign workers in uh, a, a higher salary, but they require the foreign labor to pay back the salary uh, for the housing or other expenditure, and the actual salary may be just several thousand. If for the long time, it will have negative impact on local workers and the employer will do not have any incentive to increase their benefits. I mm-hmm. think the government needs to monitor the situation and make it balance, I think. It's a very tough balance to make. Uh, we'd like to thank Lam Chun Singh, lawmaker from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon Labor Unions for joining us today. A uh, quick message from uh, the government about a new program, about a program going on over the next few days, the Hong Kong U President's Forum, Science and Society. RTHK's TV service will bring you a live broadcast this coming Monday of a major international forum at the University of Hong Kong on science, education, the environment and sustainability. The HKU President's Forum, Science and Society, will feature globally renowned thought leaders including Professor Stephen Chu, a Nobel Laureate in Physics. The topics will include how science can influence government policy for the good of society, climate change and a more sustainable future, and what's described as the deep learning revolution. The session will be introduced by HKU President and Vice-Chancellor Shang Zhang, and you can watch it on RTHK TV 32 on Monday morning from 9 until 12. The HKU President's Forum, Science and Society, on RTHK TV 32. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. All right. Uh, we're talking about labor import, but I mean, we just heard a message about this program going on up at Hong Kong University. Super interesting. They had me at Stephen Chu, uh, Nobel Prize in Physics. I went on to be the Secretary for Energy of the United States. And then he went back into uh, cell physiology because he's doing some really interesting stuff. So. The guy, so the guy knows science and policy, uh, Janice. Yeah, so, so you, will you be watching it, Andrew? Uh, if I can sneak it in around like actually getting my work done and flying to Singapore, yes, I will. Well, don't, don't <laughs> worry, because, uh, you know, RTHK TV32 will also rerun the uh, HKU President's Forum, Science and Society, on Saturday, the 8th of April at uh, 2 to 5 p.m., so maybe you can catch it then. All right, good. I'll uh, be doing, get, getting it on my phone if I can. Um, so, but today we're talking on Backchat about labor importation, bringing people in. Uh, one of our guests, just as he made his exit before our break, was talking about balancing off in the interests of society. Roy Ying, I know you've got some views on this. I mean, you know, okay, we bring the labor in. Uh, they, you know, the idea is that we can keep costs down. We are fulfilling shortages. But uh, what about the impact on local people in Hong Kong? I've got an email here from David. 
who says the government is hell-bent on keeping, creating inflation and keeping property, prices, uh, keeping property prices high. If you bring in thousands of construction workers, thousands of restaurant workers, thousands of care workers, thousands of other workers, that means no housing and high rents for local people. His second point is many of the great jobs get hijacked by employment agencies and headhunters, so skilled local Hong Kong talent doesn't see these jobs. I mean, that's David's view. Uh, we love having people write in, but Roy, where, how, do we, how do we find a balance between bringing people in and the impact on local communities? Oh, Andrew, I think um, it's, we've discussed this in the institution. Um, for the high end, I don't think it's a problem, because for people who have $2.5 million uh, salary, I mean, that, that's not really, uh, these are not the kind of people that will cause social economic problems. Um, we, we discussed that uh, there are thousands of people potentially coming in because of this um, new labor scheme, and that's why before the break, I was um, I was throwing out a possibility of a daily commute, mirror um, taking reference to what people in Singapore are doing, uh, workers who are traveling between Johor in Malaysia to Singapore, and uh, also from Zhuhai to Macau. Um, for daily commute. I mean, right now in Hong Kong, we have two very good infrastructure um, that can facilitate the Zhuhai Macau Bridge, the high speed rail. These are connecting Hong Kong to Shenzhen and Zhuhai within 20, 25 minutes. Um, that is something that we can utilize. However, that they, we need help because some of, the, some of the jobs that we talked about, for example, the airport, it runs 24 hours. If the Juhan, I mean, Juhan Macau Bridge is actually perfect because it, the uh, the uh, the border crossing is just next to the airport. But does it work overtime, uh, overnight? Um, so there must be um, some kind of collaboration to make sure that if we are to um, want people to do daily commute, there has to be an overall strategy. Mm. And with that we will then alleviate the problem, the pressure of uh, having to think about where these uh, imported labor will stay in Hong Kong. And they may not want to stay in Hong Kong. Um, in terms of a high-speed rail, I do understand that um, MTR and the uh, National Railway Corporations are discussing the options of um, making high-speed rail shuttles uh, similar to, to the regular trains that we see on MTR, you just hop in whenever there's a train, 10, 15 minutes, and that, and extending the, the operating hours, that too can potentially solve part of the problems. So these are my views. Uh, daily commute is a, um, is a possibility that we, can, we should seriously think about. Right. Mm. Mr. Meng, what do you think of that, a daily commute? I know you mentioned at dormitories before. Well, uh in fact, in the current market situation, construction workers are not willing to work in remote sites if they have options. Right. So uh, this uh, proposal could close up this gap. But uh, what do you, what are we facing is um, how could we uh, how could we account for the cost for the traveling? Mm. I mean, I mean, like uh, a general uh, construction workers, they are they are earning like um, uh, thirty thousand. Uh, 30,000 30, per month, and uh, what what would the cost of traveling in the high risk high rail, high speed rail? We, we've done it before, like when we built the airport. 
in the 1990s. Uh, I had friends who were engineers on that project, and they were, they were bringing people in by boat from China every day, you know, to work on the new airport. Can we still do that, or is that kind of an old-fashioned thing? Yeah, that was 25 or something like 30 years ago. <laughs> so um, we, 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 are, we are now facing uh, different problems than before. Uh, like back, back in then, the, um, the, the, the salary index in Guangdong mm. is uh, lower than now. So um, I think, I think uh, the situation is different. So um, for now, for now uh, maybe still there, there, are, there are still, uh, still a specific kind of uh, trade that is uh, imported in mm. the, in the uh, Railway 3 project. Yeah. Yeah. But that is fair, it's comparatively very low, no figure. In comparison with the total labor force, like uh, 200,000 of construction workers uh, daily. Yeah. And I mean, do we want to become like a Dubai or like these places in the Middle East where they have these huge numbers of workers that don't become part of the society? They live in dormitories, they work, they're there, but they're not becoming the people. Or do we want people to come to Hong Kong and, you know, learn to love Yumta? Join a dragon boat team. Go down under the bridge in Causeway Bay and hire the old ladies to beat your enemies with a shoe. I mean, become part of the local culture. Do we just want imported workers like robots, or do we want to bring people to build Hong Kong and become Hong Kongers? No, uh, we can't. We can't say they're robots, but uh, they are. They are coming for their need, uh, like salary. Maybe uh, the workers uh, from uh, East Asia or from Guangdong, they they could have earned more here in Hong Kong. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, the leaders of the trade unions is willing to explore the uh, explore the um, chances to see uh, whether they can run their own uh, uh, trade uh, labor camp in the in a, in a, a relative, relatively bigger site mm. and uh, in the remote area that is able to uh, allow a um, I mean close. Uh, uh, Close, uh, close up uh, 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 management. Mm, right, right. Roy, Roy, what do you think? I mean, I mean, construction's different. I guess people can come, build something, go away. Yeah. The building stands. Yeah. The air, like we did with the airport, uh, Chaplapcock. But if I go to a restaurant, I mean, what's the difference between uh, scan our QR code and send your order to the kitchen on your phone? You know, you want to have a, a, a someone that actually comes in and speaks to you and, you know, speaks your language and knows a little bit of the neighborhood, can have a little conversation, build a personal connection. I mean, how do we, you know, bring people in as a as opposed to just, you know, what's the difference between people and citizens versus workers? Well, Andrew, I mean, we, we have that in Hong Kong already. Yeah, I mean, the whole city the, was built the, on that. The domestic uh, helpers that we get. Yeah. I mean, they, they hundreds of thousands of them in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And uh, do we want them to become part of Hong Kongers? Well, I'm sure you would agree that some of them found a way through other routes to become Hong Kong citizens. Um, I don't think it's any different. Um, uh, if we import labor who's coming here to work as a uh, restaurant uh, uh, hostess, a uh, housekeeping staff, um, uh, a check-in agent at the airport, uh, or maybe even a, a, an AI uh, architect uh, coming to Hong Kong. These, these people are on work visa, mm -hmm. and if they want to become Hong Kongers, they love Hong Kong very well, um, they will find other ways. I mean, there are schemes that allow them to become Hong Kong citizens, and we should embrace them. Um, what the institution is concerned is that there should be, um, the policy should come in a holistic 
a fall whereby we not only solve the problem of um, uh, manpower shortage, mm. we also avoid creating social economic problems such as uh, what David has pointed out in uh, in his email. I mean, I, he he might have a point in mm-hmm. in um, in saying that with thousands of people coming into Hong Kong, they could they could potentially be competing for accommodation if this is something that the policy is not catered to uh, overcome. Right. If we haven't thought it through and accommodated for that, it's a good point. Although I have to admit, uh, Roy, I'm going to have to. Uh uh, say when you, you raise the issue of the domestic helpers, they, they don't become citizens. They don't get permanent residence. They don't get to vote. I know. I said they can they, find they, a way to become permanent residents uh, through, <laughs> other, through other routes. They, they can't just stay here for 10 years and 7 years and become Hong Kong citizens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty, rare, it's pretty rare that they're able to make the jump from being a worker on a visa to a permanent resident with all the rights and, uh, that come along with that. But they are definitely part of the fabric of our society. And I think a lot of people yeah. think Hong Kong would collapse if the domestic helpers went away, the whole city would fall apart. Um, but they, they are a special case. And I mean, do we have more like that where people can come, can work for years, decades without becoming permanent residents? Or, you know, with these imported, so-called imported labor do we offer them the normal seven years to permanent residence that other people enjoy? Um, Terrence Mong, I don't know. Like, if people are brought in in construction, should they be able to do their seven years and move to permanent residence? Well, in fact, the market can tell. So, um, you, as I said, we have we have uh, a very clear, uh, open and clear salary index. Uh, once if uh, the employer could uh, get uh, local workers, they are not they they will not they will, they will not go for the uh, options to import labors. They they ha- they still have add on. Uh, um, I mean expenses on the import labors. They will have pay them the accommodations fees and so on and so forth. So um, uh, I would suggest to let the market uh, run for itself for for it, and then uh, maybe at some times uh, uh, we don't need import labor if we have. More resources. More Hong Kongers. Yeah. More real deal. Guys, we got one minute left uh, before we have to wrap it up. I mean, super interesting discussion. Roy Ying, uh, we've, you've got one minute. What are your kind of like top two things that you would recommend to the government as they start to craft this new policy? Yeah, I, I'd like to just repeat some of the key messages that I just talked about. Sunset clause. Uh, we have to think about when to end this. Uh, obviously, uh, my suggestion is to uh, think of a reference index when the Hong Kong people, there's enough uh, of them to fill vacancies, then we don't need to import labors. We have to, second is to attract um, people who are not joining currently the workforce to consider re-entering the workforce, so, such as some of the early retirement people, some of the uh, women who um, decided to stay home. These are potentially workforce that we can use. Okay. And um, quota ratio uh, between Hong Kong uh, locals, workers and non-locals and take advantage of the Greater Bay Area concept, uh, daily commute, so to avoid potential social economic issues. So these are my key takeaways. All right, that's more than two, but I'll take it. Thank you very much to Roy Ying, co-chair of the Hong Kong Institute of Human Resource Management Advocacy and Policy Research Committee. Thank you also to Terrence Mong, who joined us in the studio. He is the president of the Hong Kong Institute of Construction Managers. Great topic for today, one that I'm sure we could have spent two three, four hours on. Uh, but of course, we got to wrap it up here on Back Chat and head off to the Rugby Sevens, ideally. Thank you very much to producer Karha and our engineer, Song Wing Ming, as we head to the end of the hour. Thanks also to 
Janice Wong for hosting this show with me, and I'd like to wish everybody a great weekend. Your temperature in Hong Kong right now is 21 degrees Celsius, 93% humidity, and this has been Back Chat for this week.